0: Glory be to the Father.
1: Join with me
0: now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a A broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Light of the East is also funded by a grant from the Koch Foundation. Christ is baptized in the Jordan. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Welcome to Light of the
1: East. You notice how I greeted you if you listen to our program consistently at all. You usually hear me say, glory to Jesus Christ, glory to him forever. That's the standard greeting of the Byzantine church, one of the eastern churches of the eastern lung of the church. But this week, we greet each other with Christ is baptized, and your response is in the Jordan. Just previously, of course, we greeted each other with Christ is born, and the response was glorify him. But speaking of Christmas and the baptism of Christ, they become almost one continuous celebration. And in fact, what we're doing is we are in what is called the descending element, the descending movement of God's plan of salvation, of his salvific action in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the whole descending time. This descending time will begin, well, it actually begins at his conception in the womb of the Virgin Mary through the Holy Spirit in March, but it really kicks in at his birth, now his baptism in between, at least many Eastern calendars, there was the circumcision of Jesus on January first, and then that will move into the Lenten season, where he will descend and will walk with him to Calvary. He will die on the cross. He will descend into a tomb, what's called a virginal tomb. Then he descends into Hades. He can't go any lower for us, to redeem us, and then we'll start the rising action. He will literally raise up humanity, Adam and Eve, all those who have died but could not go to heaven until Christ opened the doors of heaven by smashing the doors of Hades through his death and descent into hell and into Hades, and then rising up, body and soul rising up at his resurrection, then rising up to heaven at his ascension, And then, of course, he sends the Holy Spirit. So there's this magnificent cycle of a descending and ascending action. We're still in the descending, and we can also include, for those of you who might still have your Christmas decorations up, you don't have to take them down yet because we can include in the descending part, February 2nd, the feast of the, we call it in the Byzantine church, the encounter of our Lord in the temple with Simeon. In the West, it's known basically as the presentation of Christ in the temple. We also call it that as well in the Eastern churches, but the more formal description is the encounter with Simeon in the temple. Christ was presented, but what happened when he was presented? There was an encounter there that was significant because the elderly Simeon takes Christ in his hands, who is the Messiah, who he waited for all his life, and he was an old man. And he said, basically, well, I can die now. There's nothing else for me to live for on this side of eternity, so I can go. What else is there? That's why he does that magnificent prayer, which we say at Vespers, now you may dismiss your servant, Lord, because my eyes have seen. He saw God in his hands in the form of the person of Jesus Christ, the Christ child, But we are in the period of the baptism, which is another incredible descending, literally, he descends into the waters of the Jordan. And Christ being baptized there is also, for us in the Eastern churches, a celebration of epiphany, but we call it theophany. In other words, that Fani, phony, ending of the word, either epiphany or theophany, means to announce, to show forth, you know, like phonics or phonograph. It means to foretell, to tell forward, to go forward, reveal, make it known. At his birth, he is now known as an infant, but now he is known as part of the Holy Trinity because at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descends over him, hovers above him in the form of a dove And his father's voice booms out from heaven This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And this is why we call in the Eastern churches the theophany. In other words, it's theophanic, it's an expression, a revelation of God as three persons, not just one God, but God as three persons. At his birth, Jesus Christ is the revelation of his father in heaven, the Trinity, but in an incarnational way. In other words, God now is revealed as coming to us in human flesh while still remaining God. He is revealed as taking on his own creation, making himself manifest, epiphanic in his own creation. Now, in that human body, while still being God, he manifests God as Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit and he enters into the waters to be baptized, not because he needed to. Remember, baptism is for what? It's for the forgiveness of sins, the wash away of original sin, and our entrance, our incorporation, our immersion, which is why we do full immersion baptisms, especially in the Eastern churches. It's our immersion into the very life of the Trinity, and now, therefore, also into the life of the church, the body of Christ on earth. So, Christ comes into the water and descends once again. In fact, the Jordan River is actually the lowest point on the earth's surface. That's right. Jesus Christ chose to descend into baptism into waters that were the lowest point on the earth's surface. It's like he couldn't find any more ways to humiliate himself, to put himself down, to lower himself. And why did he do that? Because we rebelled against him. We deserved punishment. We deserve, really, we deserve annihilation. How dare we, from Adam on and with every one of our sins, how dare we rebel against this great, perfect, magnificent, indescribable God who was so good to us, even brought us into existence, etc., etc. How dare we? We deserve not only punishment, we deserve to just be annihilated, at least in my opinion, comparatively. How can you compare the greatness of God with our insolence? There is no way to compare it. And yet, what does God do? He doesn't annihilate us, He comes to annihilate evil and sin by taking it on. During this Feast of Theophany, we have a very deep and rich liturgical celebration with lots and lots of readings from the Bible all having to do with any kind of revelation of water. Any time there was an example of water, whether it was Christ's baptism in the River Jordan or even before that in the Old Testament, which foreshadowed the water, it was the parting of the sea, remember, when the Jews crossed over and the sea was pulled back. The sea rolled back at Moses when he when he took the staff and struck the river Jordan, and it pulled back, and the Jews were able to cross over it. It was always, always some kind of revelation of water. Moses took a staff and struck a rock, and from that rock came water. Imagine, rock came water. That's incredible. So, Joshua crossing over the Jordan to the promised land. Remember, they crossed over holding the ark in their, in their hands, they, and the water pulled back, and there they crossed over holding the Ark of the Covenant, which could not be touched or harmed in any way. That is a foreshadowing of today's tabernacle in the church and also for the Virgin Mary. In other words, that which hosts the presence of God. It was the Ark of the Covenant at that time. Then it becomes the Virgin Mary and the tabernacle in our sanctuaries. So, all kinds of references to water, and descending into water and through water. But also, we have an interesting play or comparison between the current feast day of Theophany with Christmas. See, originally in the early centuries, the Celebration of Christmas was, in a sense, one and the same with theophany because it was this whole thread of God's condescension, his lowering himself, his humiliation, his self emptying from birth in a manger, you know, a feeding trough for animals to his descent into the water to take on our sin and wash it away. So, It was at one time celebrated as one, but then it began to be separated out. But here's what the church fathers wrote in our liturgical prayers for Christmas and Theophany, the comparison here. "'Radiant was the feast that has just passed, but more brilliant, O Savior, is the one approaching. The first had an angel as a herald. This one has John the forerunner. The first had blood spilled and had Bethlehem lament as one who was childless.' The second has blessed waters, recognized to be a bath, having many children. Before, the star proclaimed to the Magi, Now the Father shows you to the world that you are incarnate and are openly coming again. O Lord, glory to you. Resplendent is the feast which has passed, but more glorious is the present day. On that day, the Magi adore the Savior, On this, the glorious servant baptizes the master. There the shepherds sang in amazement. Here the voice of the father proclaims him to the only begotten son. See that the contrasts, you have two great feasts, one that is splendid, one that is even resplendent, even more splendid for things like the star, part of creation, announcing the place of the savior. Now it is the voice of God himself that announces the baptism of his son, and that he is well pleased in his son, calling us to obey him. Lots, lots more to come up in terms of our survey here through the wonderful liturgical tradition of the theophany, the epiphany of our Lord. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
0: Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. And may God grant you I'm David Carollo, Executive Director of the World Apostle of Fatima USA. And you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
1: Welcome back to Light of the East. Christ is baptized. And your response, if you're listening, yes, that's right, in the Jordan. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're going to move through some of these rich liturgical prayers, this dogmatic hymnody that we have, an allegory, and the poetry of it, in the theology of it, because I could try to talk about this feast and how we celebrate it, but I'll let the feast itself, the church itself, say it better by looking at some of these liturgical texts. What we don't have time for, but we would a whole program in itself, would be the great blessing of water. That's the hallmark of this celebration of the Feast of Theophany in the Byzantine churches. We actually bring water to the church, and it's a great blessing, very complex, beautiful, magnificent prayers where the priest breathes over the water, puts his hand in the water, and signs it in the form of a cross. And then he plunges a three-branch candelabra into the water. And finally, he takes a cross and plunges in the water and blesses it. All these are part of the process of sanctifying the water. It's called the great blessing or consecration. See, when something is consecrated, it's more than a blessing. The consecration is actually the calling down of the Holy Spirit, where the presence of God actually is called down into something. See, blessing something is a way of affirming its value or its dedication to God, its usefulness. Like we can bless a cross that we have, an icon, a statue, a rosary. We can bless each other, bless ourselves, and so on. The priest blesses. Those are affirmations of grace, affirmations of the value of something that is being dedicated to something holy. But a consecration, is the action of God coming into that thing and filling it, infusing Himself into whatever that is, whether it's the oils, the sacred oils that are consecrated during Holy Week, the bread and wine in the Eucharist, or in this case, water. In fact, today, you may be able to see this on Facebook or other social media. Today, we're going to be consecrating an entire lake, one of the five great lakes. Lake Michigan. We actually go to the lake and we perform the same sanctification of water, same consecration with water. We took a big cross in the water, the lake, the same consecration we do as with the water that we have in vessels in our churches. And once that water is consecrated, it stays in the church, of course, all year to be used for blessings, for drinking, healing, and just its presence there in the church. So we'll actually bless the waters of Lake Michigan consecrate them, actually, more than just bless, consecrate them. I always tell people, so when you go home and turn your tap water on from your kitchen sink, it'll come out smelling like incense. (laughs) But it is consecrated. We consecrate all creation because you see God consecrated it by entering into it. When God took on flesh, he consecrates our human nature. As he takes that human nature now, he enters it into the water. He now consecrates nature. He consecrates all water So, we have illumination, we have theophany, we have consecration of the earth, of humanity, we have baptism. It's incredible. This is a multi layered, rich, rich feast day. In fact, as I tell my parishioners, all of you got to really come to church for this great holy day, these great, magnificent services, and the the consecration of water, because this is this holy day, if you want to look in those terms. It is the second holiest day of the liturgical year, second only to the resurrection itself. And I have to compliment my parishioners. They do come out. They do come out in, in good numbers for this consecration, and usually it's during the week. So it's a little bit of a sacrifice in their part. I have many parishioners who drive great distances to our church, but they come and they get the water, and we bless everything, and they bring the water to their homes. So they have this consecrated water in their homes, making their homes the domestic church, making them holy. And we use that water to bless with just, it's just incredible. It's just a a total immersion in this marvelous feast. Now, let's look at some of the other liturgical texts because they give us insights into things. For example, the environment says the Jordan then cries out to John, why do you hesitate to baptize my Lord? Why you delay the purification of so many people? He has already sanctified all creation. Let me also be sanctified together with the nature of the waters. For this reason, he has come into the world. So did you notice that? the river is talking to St. John, telling him, look, don't hesitate. Remember, St. John the Baptist hesitated because he said to the Lord, you should baptize me. Who am I to baptize you? You're the Messiah. And Christ told him, no, no, go ahead, do it. You have to do this. And the Jordan cries out to John liturgically, why do you hesitate to baptize my Lord? Because the Jordan wants to be sanctified as well by Christ's baptism. So this is something like uh almost like the cartoons we grew up with, or Disneyland, the whole Disney world when it first started out, where it was animating animals, where animals would act and talk like humans. Well, we've got that beat in the liturgy because for centuries, we've been making things like even a river talk like a human being, telling another human being, St. John the Baptist, don't hesitate, go ahead and do this. And there's another line here in the prayers. It says, for having seen you unclothed Christ has appeared to clothe you with the first robe. He has appeared to renew all creation. Now, throughout the liturgical text, they do this little play on Adam's nakedness, about being clothed and unclothed. When we talk about Adam's nakedness being unclothed, they're not talking about the body being bad. As we hear from St. John Paul II and his great monumental work of theology of the body, the body reveals God. So the body is not shameful, But Adam became ashamed of his nakedness, and so did Eve. Well, they lost their sacramental, innocent view of each other, a view of creation of their bodies. So Christ, seeing that, it says here in the prayers, having seen you unclothed, Christ has appeared to clothe you with the first robe. He's speaking to Adam, therefore to all of us. In other words, I'm going to put onto Adam, onto humanity, the first robe. The first robe meant that original innocence of Adam and Eve, and Christ is restoring that by becoming the new Adam, so the body is no longer a source of of shame. And the clothing of our body with the first robe means that our body, our person, takes on that more original mystical nature to it. See, Adam and Eve before the fall had a much more mystical or spiritualized nature to them. We don't know exactly how, but we are going to get a glimpse of it, an experience of it forever in heaven, if we make it to heaven, where our bodies and souls will be reunited again as one integrated being, but gloriously transfigured forever. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Our bodies are not going to remain in the ground. Our souls are going to stay in heaven. Our bodies and souls will reunite again. There'll be the resurrection of everyone. They'll rise up. And for those who will be saved, their body and soul will go to heaven intact forever, the way it was before original sin. So this little phrase here, Christ has appeared to clothe you with the first robe, means that the original innocence that we had is what Christ came to restore to us. So there's a, again, multi layers. You see why I can get so excited about this? I just love this stuff. It's just fascinating. It's multi layered. It's, it's symbolic. It's complex. It's interrelated. It's integrated. It's, it's mysterious. It's ingenious. Who could possibly stay away from church, especially during these great holy days, so rich in meaning and in prayer? Let's look at a few other rhetorical texts here and see what kind of secrets and mysteries they unfold for us. Here's one. The giver of gifts now becomes poor. In the past, it was told to Eve, you shall bear children in much grief. But now the virgin hears the words, rejoice, O full of grace. The Lord is with you, for he is the all-merciful one. See that contrast? We're bringing in the idea that Mary, the Virgin Mary, is the new Eve, and we're seeing the contrast that the first Eve was told you'll bear children in much grief. This one is told you will bear a child that is a source of joy. So rejoice, full of grace, for he is all merciful. Here's another phrase, another dogmatic hymn. Oh, what a marvelous wonder. The compassionate Savior clothes himself in the nakedness of Adam as in a robe of glory. He prepares to stand naked in the flesh in the streams of the Jordan. How shall the river receive you, O Master and Lord? You are the one who makes your dwelling above the rains. O Jesus, our benefactor, we all glorify your epiphany. There we use the word epiphany and theophany interchangeably. But again, as I referred to before, there's that nakedness of Adam as in a robe, he prepares to stand naked in the flesh in the streams of the Jordan. But Christ standing naked in the flesh now is the restoration of nakedness, the restoration of holiness of the body and how to see the body, not shamefully or with guilt or lustfully. See, Christ again, you have to remember, he's the new Adam, he comes back to restore what was lost. In the end, he'll take it even to greater heights in heaven. Now here's another really fascinating thing, lots of fun. There's a conversation that goes on between John and Jesus. This is in the liturgy of the church. Oh, baptizer, why are you doubting the mystery that I fulfill for the salvation of all? This is Jesus talking to John. Lay aside the old and think of the new. Put your faith in God who has come down to earth and approaching me obey my word for I have appeared as God to purify the fallen Adam in my mercy. O Jesus, you took our sins upon your shoulders and have drawn near the streams of the Jordan. I am fearful of your appearance. How can you ask me to baptize you? For you have come to cleanse me. You are the one who purifies all. How can you ask me to baptize you? A beautiful conversation that draws us into that drama but into the mystery the theological reality of this great event of our Lord's baptism. Thank you for listening. Christ is baptized in the Jordan. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East.
0: To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media.
1: You know what Catholic Radio is? It's training for the troops. It's a inter-aural of the ear boot camp. The folks who listen, who grow in their faith, grow in charity, grow in all the virtues, they then go out and exert an influence far beyond just themselves. Catholic radio has an exponential effect for bringing people deeper into the faith. Dr. Ray Gurindy thinks Catholic radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening.